Pearson makes architectural map drawings combining plans, elevations, and perspectives to illustrate dynamic spatial relationships. These maps emerged as a quintessential expression of the character of a place. She has lived where she could draw, including places like Savannah, Georgia, and traveled to interesting places to draw as well. Her travel sketches from trips to Europe over the past 20 years launched in May of 2020. This fall, she'll be showing her mountain series, which explores the combination of line and brush in these beautiful landscapes. Kirsten creates maps on commission via her website. These can either be original city blocks or topographical map drawings. Welcome to the show, Kirsten. Thank you. So excited to be here. Glad you could take the time. Um, I wanted to let my listeners know just how I discovered Kirsten and her work, um, which was basically through Instagram and also through the Artist Mother podcast, which I follow. Um, and I know you attended one of the Artist Mother podcast retreats, I believe. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Um, but anyhow, I, I saw your work on Instagram and fell in love with it. So I, I knew I wanted to talk to you. Um, Thank so you. I'm glad we have the time. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I thought we could start off with just your name of your studio, which is Turn of the Centuries. And maybe you could yes. tell me a little bit about how you came up with that. I hope I don't go too long and spend all 45 minutes because it's kind of a long <laughs> story, but... I can, I can still remember when I came up with it, I was laying in my bed in my bedroom in Savannah, Georgia, one weekend morning, had a little time to, to stay there instead of scrambling to work. And I was starting uh, to make my own work on the side. Um, something that's been important to me throughout my career, I guess, is how buildings age and uh, the history that is embodied in walls. I would walk around my neighborhood in the historic district of Savannah um, and take great pleasure in imagining uh, the history of these places that I would be bumping up against, as well as in my work as an architect, I was primarily responsible for historical research. And so I was thinking a lot about how, how architecture um, and our environment has stories to tell and and how I like to dig in and imagine that history. So turn of the is an, a nod to a very um, common term when you're talking about um, architecture and history. And I guess like um, formally, it it brings to mind the idea of um, growth and change. And and personally, I was feeling that. And I'm still feeling that even more so today than I was uh, when I came up with that name, like, I don't know, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I envisioned, like, my little logo was a globe. So I'm, I'm interested in place, the, the physical buildings that make up that place, as well as the urban structure, which is where the maps are coming from, and and, and the growth and change and the stories that come out of that growth and change that occur in places so turn of the centuries yeah, well, does, does that make any sense well, i don't think i've yes yeah, ever yeah, yeah. No, that's like, super helpful explain that to anybody <laughs> so it seems kind of convoluted but. no it really does make sense um yeah that's great and then when you started um it was a uh, studio was were you, were, were you working at the same time as you had the studio or have, have they oh yeah you know, have you ever been able to focus full-time on the art or are you still working you know. um in both arenas yeah um at that time, I was working very long hours at an architecture firm, and it was fantastic. And I was getting exposed to so many amazing things um, because it was a very small firm, just three of us. And um, so I had my hands in a lot of interesting things that were happening in Savannah, as well as Charleston, South Carolina, and other other towns in the area. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I was working for a brilliant architect named Chris. The firm is called Sotil and Sotil. And um, I love that. And I was definitely, I was a helper, you know, <laughs> and I love doing that. I love actually being responsible for the, <laughs> the end design um, and also not having to do all the, you know, financial stuff. So <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I liked my role there. And um, we had a fantastic relationship. Um, the three of us in the firm, but I, I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to do my own thing. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I just, I, I've always loved making things and just the idea, just the 
opportunity to follow a project through and be the final mark on it instead of taking it to someone else and saying, what do you think? Revising it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just, and then now, now are you able to solely focus on making art or? Yeah. So that's what I do now. Elsewhere. Yeah. I guess you're right. Okay. Wow. Perfect. I'm my own boss. But, but I, I still think of it as a side job because I am a full-time mother and that takes up the majority of my time. So I squeeze this in because I love it so much. I squeeze this in early mornings, um, just anytime I can <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. much when they're, they're not needing me. Um, yeah. so I guess you could say I am, it is my full-time job now. There are, there are some weeks where I do work 40 hours a week. Um, but I'm with sure. two small children, that's, that's not really that sustainable. So we'll see yeah. as we go into, the, as we grow in sure. And my children go to school. I, I, I look forward to, to being able to invest more time and thought into my work right now. I just like, get it done. Yeah. <laughs> in all the moments that I can and, and really get, get what I need out of it. It's like a source of contemplation and respite for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and joy, hopefully. Oh, oh yes, <laughs> absolutely. So much joy. Um, and I thought we could talk a little bit just about your background, just where you grew up and if you yeah. were artistic when you were younger or did a lot of sketching as a teenager or yeah, definitely. Um, I remember as a kid, I would, I'd, I'd make shoes out of cardboard and I would build little cities out of, I would use books for roads. I remember being in fifth grade and being a little embarrassed, but I still love to play in the sandbox because I could make roads and <laughs> little towns. Um, and I hold a whole, I had a whole line of um, floor plans. Oh my goodness. Okay. I grew up in the, in this, in this era and this place where there were always new developments popping up. And right now I, I wouldn't be so jazzed about that, but that was really exciting to me as a, a middle schooler. Where was, was it, this? What, what town? This is in a town, Maryland at the time. Oh, okay. It was the, one of the fastest growing counties in the nation. It's about 45 minutes outside of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So it was really fast growing. Like, like I said, there's a new development popping up everywhere. And we would go and like look at the model home and I would get the, the um, packet with all the different models and see their floor plans and elevations and get so excited. Wow. <laughs> and so I did my own series. I had several developments and I used my friends and their pretend former or pretend future families. Like I'd give them, a, I'd give them like eight kids and name them all and put their ages and everything. That's and awesome. I'd have pools in the basement. <laughs> like these homes were de- definitely never going to be f- built feasibly, but um, it was super fun for me to, to be in that role and, you know, playing the lives of my friends, but, but really enjoying the, the creative pursuit of drawing floor plans and I actually made them too out of cardboard and I like made little people I guess I was kind of in the fashion a little bit I made clothes for them out of construction paper yeah I did not I was never bored and I I see that my kids now and I'm so grateful that that kind of thing passed down in fact I never Uh saw it myself until you just asked me but I I marvel (laughs) at that in my kids every day because they are just so self-motivated like my five-year-old wakes up with the project every morning. He's on it. Like I, I have yeah. to force him to eat breakfast and I have to get him dressed, what, like sneak it in while he's working on his latest book. So that's great. I, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I'm grateful, you know, somehow in my childhood, I had a, you know, the space to do that. I feel like sometimes yeah. kids can get overbooked and, you know, be um, told what to do so much that they don't really get the opportunity to pursue what they want and then pursuing what you want is kind of what helps you to to live your life in a way that's fulfilling for sure they also say boredom uh, breeds creativity exactly um, so yes yeah, so, um, so were you too. did you have artistic parents at all or any architects around no no, no not at all no, not interesting at all. No, yeah I know I don't know where that came from <laughs> I my brother just younger than than I he's he was a he did some really rad drawings in high, in high school and he studied, I guess, for a year or two in college, he studied art, but yeah, that's it. I'm kind of, they're all like into either ed- education or medicine. Oh, interesting. So. 
<laughs> and then right now you're living in Watertown, New York. But um, prior to that, it sounds like you were in Savannah for a while and you actually moved there to draw because you're so drawn by it, it sounds like. That's true. That is true. I had finished my work in Virginia. I was working on this um, photographic book about small towns. And that took, I guess, several years after I graduated from architecture school at Virginia Tech. I was looking for a new place to live. I visited a friend in Savannah and just was so um, taken in by the, the aura there, all the all beautiful old buildings. And of course the iconic city plan, which is what I ended up writing my master's thesis on several years later when I went back to grad school. But yeah, that was magical to me. And I really had come to learn how and to love drawing architecture as I was a student um, at Virginia Tech and wanted to live in a place where that could be easy. Like I could just walk out my front door and be surrounded by things that I wanted to draw. And that was Savannah for me. I actually had a lot of moves between Savannah and Watertown. Uh -huh. I went to grad school, got married. My husband's in the army. So we lived in Washington state Love that. And then found ourselves here in Watertown um, two years ago because my husband is stationed here in the Army. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then um, I know we talked a little bit pre-interview just about um, your community, but I was going to ask you if you have a community of artists there. Is there any art scene in your town or how do you find people that um, mm -hmm. you can maybe relate, relate to on, in that respect? Yeah, I think what I told you was, I don't have any people. <laughs> so thank you for you calling. Some. <laughs> giving me someone to talk to. <laughs> uh, and that's another one, reason why I love podcasts and especially your podcasts and Artist Mother podcasts. It's because I get that feeling like I'm like I, I get to chat with another artist, even though I'm I'm not chatting, but I'm getting to listen in on, on their lives. Uh, it's a small town. Um, it's a county seat, but it's a very, very rural area. It's like as north as you can go in New York. So we're close okay. to Canada. Oh, wow. And the town population, I think, is about 25,000. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can't, I shouldn't go on record saying there's no art scene. I just haven't run into it yet. Like, I think there's like maybe a little local guild or something. But I have, uh, I would say, two friends that I see once every couple of months mm -hmm. who are much younger than I, but are also pursuing art and business. And I'm re really grateful for them. But yeah, I, moving here from Tacoma was a big difference. Uh, Tacoma, Washington was, was a great um, place to be starting, like running a business and making art and um, just a, a maybe, much more... maybe you can start a community there. Who knows? Yeah. You start your well, own community. That's the, that's <laughs> the hard thing about military life is like you, I love, so we're kind of still new to army life, but I love the opportunity to move someplace new because digging in and finding what's awesome about a place is totally my jam. I love mm -hmm. that. And I kind of like being like not in control of where we go and who knows uh -huh. where we'll go. We'll, we'll make it work and we'll find stuff that's interesting. But, um, but the, the term that you're in a place is so short. It's just two to three years. Mm -hmm. So it does make it hard to, at this point, I, I think if my kids were older and I had more time, I would have invested more into a local, find a local art scene. Yeah. But it's just been just intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, like owning a house for the first time and like working on the house and, and then, you know, having young children and I've made friends gratefully through my church, but I don't, and I, and I, you know, we talk, they'll ask me occasionally, like what I'm working on. And I really appreciate uh -huh. that. But yeah, I don't really have many artist friends here. Well, I think that's one of the benefits of Instagram too, just because exactly. the, whole, the whole world becomes your artist community, which is amazing. I have, I have really relied on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And later we'll talk a little bit more about the artist mother retreat, just because I want to get yeah. some more okay, details good. from you on that. But um, let's talk a little bit just about your work right now and just how to sort of was there one moment when you, you know, your concept, I, I think your paintings, drawings are just so interesting. And I just wonder what brought you to just start making those and um, how you got there, I guess. Yeah. Well, I would trace it back to architecture school. Um, a figure ground map is a really common 
uh, tool used by architects when they're showing a site um, and urban designers. I, I should mention, I actually, the, the firm that I worked at in Savannah for seven years worked primarily in urban design and secondarily in architecture. Um, although we did design the Savannah College of Art and Design Museum of Art, which was probably the biggest wow. um, building that, that, that I got to work on. And they've done much more since then. But um, so urban designers and architects look at maps a lot and uh -huh. they try to understand, at least hopefully they try to understand the context of where they're building. And that's what I believe is good architecture, like, you know, not designing something in a bubble and plopping it down in a place where there's no dialogue. I, I am super passionate about understanding a place in order to design for it. And I have been since, since I was in school. And so um, my love of place and my tools learned in architecture school kind of came together, I think, to create these maps. I did a lot of different things, to be honest, for the first, oh, I don't know, eight years of my business, which I founded in Savannah. Um, when, I, when, I, when I started, I was really drawing these streetscapes, these super intricate architectural drawings, but freehand, like I would just go out and take photos and draw from photos back at home in my studio. Um, and I made this a book of them and it was very intensive. And I um, kind of started the maps uh, after I'd graduated or maybe as I was finishing um, graduate school at the University of Virginia. And um, those became, it became evident to me that that was kind of a, a skill that I could hone and a process that I could make more efficient so that as I became a mother and a military wife and found myself, you know, moving a lot, this is something that I could do um, without having to reinvent the wheel all the time. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like yeah. I got my process down. I, I can, um, yeah, I, I, and I, and I can do this in little pockets of time, which is so valuable at the, in this yeah. phase of life. Like I can pop in and out of the studio. I could just work for five minutes <laughs> and, Yeah, and that's okay. So that's kind of how that became my thing above, like how that rose above the other things that I was working on. Um, and then in terms of the materials, um, it looks like you use watercolor mixed mm -hmm. with ink. Is that um, with, with these early sketches you're talking about when you were an architect, were those mainly just oh. drawn with pencil or I'm just wondering yeah. about the, your transition into the watercolor. Yeah, that's a, I love that question because it, it is, it was a meaningful transition. I, I was never really exposed to watercolor in architecture school. In fact, color was seen as something reserved for, well, you need to really mean it if you're going to use color. <laughs> <laughs> like our world was pretty black and white in architecture school. And so when I learned how to draw, when I was traveling in Europe um, for three months with my, my classmates and professors, all I had was a black ink pen and that's all I needed. I never even considered using color. So uh -huh. when I went to work at um, the firm of Sotil and Sotil in Savannah, Christian Sotil used, the principal used watercolor quite a bit. And that was quite different from sort of this Bauhaus mode um, that I'd been schooled in at Virginia Tech. And he had me do some watercolor when he had projects and he needed a watercolor and he didn't have time. I was grateful to, uh, to get the brush wet and learn, but I, I still felt like, oh, I can never do what he does. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not a watercolorist. And I still don't think I'm a watercolorist. Like I don't paint landscapes or anything, but I came to really love the translucent color and the ability to mix most any color. And, you know, just, I love when I do these maps, I usually um, do them in a single basic color, but have many variations. And I love the tonal variation that you can get by adding a little bit of complementary or, or gray or, um, yeah. So I, I, yeah, I just, I love watercolor and I love the thing that the things that happen when you, you um, lay that down on a, a nice piece of textured paper. It's kind of magical how you don't, you don't know what it's going to do. 
It's so different yes. from the, the ink coming out of my pen, where as I can, I can breathe, be precise with that, the watercolor just adds this layer of more free flowing. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned yeah, was, the, the travel okay. sketches. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So those were done with just black ink 20, 20 to 10 years ago, 10 to 20 years ago. Um, and then um, it was uh, kind of, um, what's the word? I don't know, this experience that I had of adding watercolor to it was pretty magical because like I said, um, I never considered using watercolor before and um, using watercolor now helped me to see those places in an interesting way. Like when I was first there, when I was first in Europe and learning to draw, I'm so frustrated that I couldn't draw the way that I was experiencing this place. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to draw what I saw, just what I saw. That's a photograph. And I was lugging right. around a giant camera and like a huge bag of film that I had rolled myself. <laughs> like, oh my I was going to reserve the photos. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when I draw, when I was drawing, I wanted to do something that helps me to remember the experience of that place and maybe helped others to to feel it like like the materiality of those walls and the sound of the pavement and how openings um, bled into others and stairs wound up and disappeared and were found again um so um that experience was allowed me to see something that I was looking at and experiencing in such a different way as I drew it. Like I would walk into a piazza and I'd be like, Oh, great. I, I see this place. I understand it. And then I, I draw it. And an hour later I would see it completely differently, you know, uh -huh. because I, I drawn those lines. It was like a right. metaphysical experience for me. Oh, and yeah. what I'm trying to say in too many words, <laughs> is I had the same experience when I was adding watercolor to these drawings. So and I was you're not in the place these anymore. Like, you're adding these to the original drawings that you took in that you made in Europe. You're going back to them, and then you're adding theoretically color to them. Yeah, okay. I had actually I had actually digitized those original oh, drawings, okay. so I was printing them onto watercolor paper. Okay, they were not drawn on watercolor paper. Yeah, so watercolor That's would really not cool have worked idea. out. Yeah, uh -huh. so yeah, yeah, I love that. I didn't yeah, know so that could... you, you were going back to them, and then that, that's really cool. Yes. I watched one of your time lapse of um, one of them on Instagram, and it was really oh yeah mesmerizing to watch yeah very cool yeah thanks um, it was like I was seeing that place again but right. in a different way like I was like I would look at the I would look at this black and white sketch on the watercolor paper and be like okay there it is I remember that but then after I went through the process of watercoloring it was like I was walking in the space again and experiencing again and after I was done with that watercolor it was like a completely different feeling yeah and you probably anyway. kind of re relived your whole experience of being there. It brought it to yeah, like, uh, but the, different. The like it was a, a different lens. Yeah. It was yeah, it was cool. That's really interesting. And where did you have this? Uh, did you have a show of your work? Because I know that um, you said that they were released in May. Or does that mean just yeah. released on your web on your website? Yes, this is the first okay. time I've ever done this. So as I said earlier, I kind of honed this um, process of the watercolor city blocks map, and that's what I've been doing primarily for the last five years since becoming a mother. Mm -hmm. um, so quarantine just gave me this little, it was like an eddy in the river where I could just let go of the normal schedule. I mean, I was still with my kids all the time, but we found a comfortable fit. And like I said, they're mm -hmm. really self-motivated and they actually inspired me because I see them making all this art. <laughs> yeah, I want to be more free with what I'm doing. And I didn't have any commissions at the time. So I said, this is the moment I've been wanting to to revisit these uh, Europe drawings, I kind of see them all together. And that's when I decided I was gonna build a collection. I'd never done that before. I see lots of other artists, especially on Instagram doing that. And I don't mm -hmm. really, didn't really get it, but <laughs> it, was, it was a great process for me. And I'm glad I had a good experience because people seem to, it seemed, the drawings seemed to resonate with people, especially because if they'd been to those places and they could also relate to seeing those same sites. And the feeling that, sure. that they had to to explore those places primarily in Europe and and I love how just the um, the perspectives are different. Some of them are bird's eye, some of them are yeah. front on. They're just really unique. Um, are you done with that series? Like, are you, yeah. are you finished with that for sure? Okay. Well, there's um, one and then little little tail that's still hanging out. I I did 
the the last time I was in Europe was for a fellowship from the University of Virginia in 2013. I spent five weeks in Rome studying how or trying to figure out how these Renaissance architects created these amazingly intricate bird's eye view drawings, which later became prints, lithographs and um, engravings of their city. And so I would go up to the Giannicolo, which is the high ridge above the city every evening and try to draw what I saw. And so I have a, a bunch of those types of drawings. Um, they're in pencil, so they don't really reproduce that well. Um, I, I haven't done anything with them, but perhaps someday I will. <laughs> and then in terms of your next series, you have a mountain series coming up, which I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> I said I might be painting, but I'm, I'm too passionate about what I'm talking about. <laughs> at the same time. But, um, yeah, I, I started to, to, I kind of fell into these when I started a 100 day project um, at the beginning of quarantine. And is that the sketchbook project or that's something different? There's one out of the Brooklyn library called the sketchbook oh, project. No. Yeah. I've wanted to try that. I haven't done that yet. Maybe someday. Yeah, you yeah, should. It's is... really cool. Have you done it? Um, I'm going to do it. I'm working on some photographs yeah. for it now, but basically they, um, they'll have, it'll be permanently in their library and people yeah. can look at your work um, online. And it, it's really interesting. And they have a little bookmobile that drives around and people can take That's out your so books cool. and look at them. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I would love to do that. I'm going to put that on my list for 2021. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the mountains, uh, the 100 day project is just, I can't remember the name of the artist who initiates this, but um, I, I actually found her through Artist Mother podcast. And uh-huh. before that, I had seen a lot of artists doing this 100 day project. But the premise is that you you have a, an interest um, for uh, research or just something that you'd like to get better at. And you do it every day, every single day for 100 days. And you share it on Instagram, hashtag the 100 day project. So I had been having these feelings like, at the beginning of quarantine, I really want to make art more than, you know, like the, um, I love the watercolor city blocks map. And I hope we'll talk a little bit more about that in that process. Yeah. But um, it does feel a little like I kind of get after I do one, I'm like, okay, I need to let the brush be free. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just painting in these little blocks and it's very, <laughs> it's it a, a little, little crazy probably. Yeah. It's mm. a little restricted. And I yeah. just, about a, almost a year ago, I started to play around with what the brush could do outside of those, those conscripted lines and loved what I was able to do. I was just having fun. Like just using some scraps of watercolor paper and working that brush around and using, you know, different colors that I normally didn't not like not trying to go for anything realistic. Cause I do not do realism, but mm-hmm. I thought like those textures are so lend themselves so naturally to the landscape. And I've always loved mountains and felt like at peace in them. And ironically, I'm in a, area now where there are no mountains immediately <laughs> visible we have the Don't adirondacks no. <laughs> yeah we do have the adirondacks and uh-huh. they're only two hours away but they're they're not in my visual landscape at all right and I, coming from tacoma washington i saw mount rainier every day when i walked out of my apartment wow. so um i kind of missed that a little bit but i just i think they're just a great metaphor for for life and for growing and rising and like struggling and summiting hopefully and falling down and (laughs) they really feel uh in this time that we're living in with quarantine and black lives Mm -hmm. matter they feel like they just they really do feel relevant to me and kind of a relevant way for me to um engage and indulge my my thoughts on these things and my own growth so yeah I kind of returned to the mountains <laughs> that sounds cheesy and are you working from photographs for these or how or just from your imagination I am or... yeah mm-hmm. yeah I am working from photographs um I love love finding wonderful photographs and I'm looking for photographs that I'm not concerned about the colors I'm not replicating the colors at all I'm not dealing with the sky mostly or the trees but I just want to see the rugged um 
mm-hmm. contrasting facets of of the mountain, like the structure, yeah, for, I guess. I was just going to say for our listeners, um, the, the colors you mainly are using are kind of brown, brownish mm-hmm. tones, I guess, for the mountain series. Yeah, I'm actually working on now one now that's a little bit, it's like black and blue and a little bit of yellow ochre. Right. I do, I do see these staying within the realm of natural colors but mm-hmm. i'm not i'm definitely not being slavish to recreate the colors in the photograph in fact they're probably not the colors in the photograph <laughs> the real colors i'm really i'm really concerned with structure and then in terms of color just like color has meaning to me i guess this is what i i really kind of pursued with the europe sketches i i didn't use any colors that were the color of the building you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I just I just or use the colors of my memory like what does a color make me feel and how does this make me feel and how does these how do these colors work together I'm definitely not a color theorist but it's all just gut I have I have a palette that I love and I'm working from that palette and mixing from that palette and and that's well different colors bring out different emotions i think too so yeah definitely related to all that yeah um in terms of uh, other drawings i i noticed some of your temple drawings on etsy so i don't know yeah. if you're are you, are you still making those or is that i wish that has really yeah. fallen by the wayside for the last several months i don't think i've had any time. commissions <laughs> I, well i mean i don't i do it just on commissions and i haven't had any commissions for quite some time on those the the idea um, behind that is i am a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and um to us the temple is a symbol of very special covenants that we make with god either both individually and um becoming married and having a family so we go there um, to make these covenants and then we go back to renew them often hopefully once a month and it's a symbol of our relationship with god a personal relationship with god and the temples are beautiful buildings um usually they're they're just top-notch architecture like like they're built to withstand <laughs> earthquakes <laughs> and every like uh-huh. they are like you won't find a speck of dust in there. <laughs> they are immaculate. Um, and that I'm sure takes a lot of work, but I, I kind of had the idea of drawing them in a way to make them stand out from their landscape using repetitive lines um, or like a watercolor wash uh, where the temple is left purely white. Like I don't even really, you know, draw the temple. It's just everything around it kind of amplifies the purity of the temple. Mm-hmm. So I love doing them, but I'm, tr- I'm I'm now trying to figure out like what should I even have this shop because it's not <laughs> not really going anywhere right now. <laughs> well, I guess that brings me to your commission work. So maybe you could just tell me a little bit about how people find you and yeah. how you go about starting a commission project. Yeah, a much more robust um, uh, element of my business right now. I I think that people either find me on Instagram or on Etsy. Because uh, that's that's the only places I am. <laughs> so, uh-huh. um, if, if they want to commission a map, they are usually coming to me because they have um, a gift to give, and they, they want mm-hmm. to be very special. And they and the person they're gifting have um, a special connection to a place, either their mm-hmm. place of nativity or their where they went to college and had all those college formative experiences, or where they raise their family or they went on vacation and it was a very memorable one or they like I'm I'm hoping to get more into these landscape maps I did one last year where a woman just discovered and fell in love with hiking and it helped I think it helped her through like rough patches in life and she Mm -hmm. wanted me to map the white mountains of New Hampshire and so I was all into the topography of those and um yeah just uh, a place that really means something to them and that they'd like to commemorate and have it on their wall of their home or their business or whatever. So, so they come to me with the site and then we determine together what the best size is. I can Mm -hmm. do anywhere from a six inch by six inch, which is like a neighborhood map up to a 36 inch by 36 inch map. And 
they'll kind of tell me what the sites are that are important to them. And I'll, we'll kind of go back and forth usually with just like Google map screenshots. Uh-huh. Like, is this okay. good? Is this the area that you're thinking, Oh, shift it over here or, or add this. And so once we have the base map, that's a big step. Um, then we are ready to move forward and they get to choose the color. Like we were saying earlier, color has a lot of emotion embedded in it. So I asked them to think about how they feel when they think about this place and what, what images or what colors come to mind. And so I always love to see what colors they come up with. Um, usually it's a single color and I do a variety of tones of the net color, mm-hmm. but I have one commission that I'm working on right now where the client wants me to do the city in rainbow. So wow. <laughs> it will be very different. I'm excited <laughs> to explore that. Um, I'm <clears throat> happy to do any color combination really. Yeah. Uh, and, so once and that's so you're working directly from the, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, oh, but ahead. are you working directly from yes. the Google, um, the Google views, I guess. Yes. That's where I'm okay. getting to next. Yeah. Just, okay. just a, a street map. I'll, I'll like, you know, it may be zoomed out and only the, the major roads are important. Like I just did one this week of Cape Cod and it was more important to show actually of Provincetown. And it was more important to show the hook of the Cape rather Uh than zoom in on the, the street blocks, like the street blocks are still shown. They're like a millimeter wide. (laughs) Right. But it's really fun for me. And that's kind of where this, the architecture, the site design that I was always drawn to comes in site analysis and site design, um, like determining what's essential about this place and how do you show that when you, when you um, map it. So, yeah. And that, I love how on some of your uh, work, you can sort of highlight, say, a person's home on the on the street grid map, just in yeah. a different color or just to give some emphasis to it, which is a really nice idea. Yes, yes. I always ask them if they want me to, to highlight that with a little dot or something like that. And then, yeah, um, it's even more personal and unique. And then they people can find or order it through your website, I'm assuming. That's how they would yeah. find you. Okay. Yeah, they can go. I have a shop on Etsy, turn of the centuries, one word. And I also have my own website, which is turnofthecenturies.com. Um, and you just have to look for a commission listing. They're kind of jumbled in with all the prints because um, if the city or town that I map for a commission is of interest to others, I will make a map of it. And I mean, I'm half, <laughs> I'll make a print of it uh-huh. um, and sell those. So right. someone who loves that place as well, but doesn't want to make it personal and choose the color or mark right. their home just wants mm-hmm. the print can get a print for 20 bucks. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, I, I just want to, I just want people to be able to like commemorate the places that they love for sure easily. Like some people love to go through the commission process and, you know, some people are, are just looking for something quick. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just going to look at my questions and I forgot to go back to one, which was just about um, other artists who've inspired you in the past and now. Yeah. Um, I have always been really drawn to photography, which is why this mountain project is fun for me to look at photographs of mountains I, I I did photography in college and made a photographic book and like spent lots of time in the dark room and I loved I love good contrast photos and so photographers when I think about this um, trajectory that I find myself on of mapping uh, I can trace it back to to architecture school when I was really psyched about the work of Jan Artus Bertrand who does the the aerial photographs of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called mm, Earth from Above. And he's very prolific and is doing a lot of work with global organizations. But he um, had this, I think I stumbled upon him walking through Paris one night through this, through one of the gardens in Paris. And he had this exhibit up on canvas like stretched between metal bars and like wandered into it at night and just saw all these amazing aerial photographs and there's so many more aerial photographs out there now and that Mm -hmm. aerial photography has become um much more commonplace but it was just so 
amazing to me that I could like see the world. Like even some of them were close enough that you could see people working in fields. And that was really inspiring to me. And I, as an architect, like the plan is, is a, like a really important way of seeing things. Not, not the most important, but like mapping and making plans, um, seeing things from that perspective just speaks to me. I guess I feel like I have a sense of control <laughs> over yeah. something. Maybe that's why people <laughs> like maps. I think, I think they do, given the research that I did in, in grad school. Yeah. Like, mapping is kind of this imperialistic thing, like let's control what we can see by mapping it. But right. anyway, I love those. And I also love the work of um, two other French photographers who photographed the ruins of Detroit uh-huh. in the 90s, um, Romain Meffray and Yves Bertrand. And they really exposed me to the beauty of ruins. That was a really big obsession of mine um, in college and soon after while, while making my book. Just the the patina and the layers of time that happen when buildings are abandoned and Mm -hmm. there's this sort of sad um, feeling about it like these empty concert halls that are like crumbling but there's beauty in that that there that that's still there that that can be redeemed um, that somebody took the time to light it to find the natural light beautifully and artistically to make these photographs so kind of like an idea of redemption, I guess. And I don't know. It commemorates the place um, in a different way than the maps do. But I was, I was totally obsessed when I was in college with their work. And how about anyone who's done like a lot of sketches or just drawings? Is there any artist oh, that inspires yeah, you, in, you. That, in that arena too? Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say the, the founder of, of the College of Architecture at Virginia Tech, his name was um, Ferrari. Um, he passed away before I even got there, but there was a symposium to honor him, um, my first year. And so I was exposed to him in that way, like with all of these alumni coming to talk about him. And there was a book that was produced where there were alumni quotes about memories of him and what he stood for. Um, and each quote was paired with one of his sketches and his sketches were really cool. Like definitely what we were trying to, um, what we were trying to replicate in some uh-huh. ways as architecture students, just just that pen, the purity of just the pen and the paper and like seeing where that line takes you. And, and that line can be so expressive and can direct you and guide you through a place. And it's just a line. So I yeah. love the purity of that. And I, I went back to that when I was working on this um, travel sketches project recently and really enjoyed looking at those at those sketches and feeling um excited about them again and then I was just thinking about the all your European stuff did you have a favorite place or I know it's hard to say because there are so many amazing spots but is there one place you particularly love in Europe yeah well I loved I lived in Trastevere just across the river from Rome when I was on fellowship in 2013 and just like felt so at home there and whenever I see pictures of Trust Avery I'm like oh I want to go back I know uh-huh. I know those streets I know exactly where that is I love the feeling I'd never been in a place that long um, while traveling for five weeks and it was it was a great experience to to really feel like I I could I could I knew where I was and it felt familiar to me um, by no means uh, was I a local of course but <laughs> anyway architecturally it was familiar to me and I I have to say Cinque Terre though I keep going back to me and everyone yeah. else like that place has got all I've never been stuff. I've been all over Italy but I haven't made yeah, it there that's but right. I you know said you studied in Italy gorgeous. yeah Where did you I was study? in Siena in oh, Siena awesome yeah yeah that's a beautiful place I wish I'd spent more time there just just yeah. today it's an incredible little town. But yeah, I mean, I missed the day, the day my group was going to Cinque Terre. I somehow oh. missed that trip, unfortunately. <laughs> but I'll go there someday. Yeah, yeah, you must. It's, it's, a, it's packed with um, beautiful places to draw. For me, that's big check. And also the hiking. You can hike from town to town up yeah. through the vineyards right the and the cliffs yeah. and the woods. And the, the, the way the landscape changes just between towns is so dramatic and amazing. And then you're always getting these great views of the ocean. Oh, man. And then if you get too tired, you can always take the train. <laughs> the uh-huh. train runs through all five <laughs> towns, too. So it was just, it was pretty magical. I've been there just twice. But 
uh, yeah, it was really a big impact on me. And I made lots of drawings um, there. (laughs) Yeah. Do you plan to go back to Europe? Uh, Like, do you have tend to go frequently or, I mean, once we can travel again, of course. Yeah. Is that something that you kind of want to keep, keep up with regularly if you can? I wish, I mean, we don't really have the money to travel to Europe, but with my my kids being so young, but it is, my husband's never been to Europe, so I'd love to go. And he's actually a great traveler. I, I, I'm becoming more and more anxious as I get older. So it would probably be good for us to travel in Europe. We're actually hoping to get stationed in Germany because then we're, we're there. That'd be great. That'd (laughs) be amazing. Yeah. Anytime we get to travel, we'll be be at our fingertips. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, I definitely plan, um, God willing to be in Europe again and be drawing there again. Well, great. Um, I thought we could just close with just a couple of things about life. Um, yeah, just, um, just a couple of things, but just, um, going back to the artist mother retreat. Um, I just, we could just talk a little bit about that. just about how that experience was for you in terms of meeting other fellow artists and, and mothers, artist mothers. Yeah. It was a wonderful experience and that is still, I'm still reaping the dividends of that because I'm in touch daily with at least someone, at least one um, artist mother that I met there and that that like I said before I don't have artist mom friends in my circle here in Watertown mm-hmm. so to have that at least um, by text or Instagram message is great um, the experience for me was it was I, I'd been a big fan of the podcast and I, I'm so grateful what, what Kaylin Butine is doing to um, amplify the voice of artist mothers and also give us a space where we're we can relate to each other and be like, oh, you're, you're still making art, even though you mm-hmm. are with your kids all the time, you too. Um, but I, the retreat was, a, um, I was on the fence about whether to go. And then another mother that I had met through the podcast on Instagram, also a military wife, said she was going. And said, okay, I'm in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the whole way there, I was like, so, it was the first time I'd left my kids. And I was like a baby. I was actually trying <laughs> to stop myself from crying on the plane. Wow. Like, what is wrong with me? I finally got away and I can't handle it. Yeah. And then my children, they were bawling their heads off too. So oh no, not a good the, way to start. Initial start was a bit <laughs> rocky, but, um, but the experience was marvelous because um, yeah, I got to connect with people that I had sort of met online, but I actually got to talk to them in person, learn more about their work for those who presented um, just like be authentically myself, talk about mother without shame, like talk about art without shame. You know, it feels sometimes like, like I can't talk about art with my mom friends because I don't want them to think like I'm not being a good mom or something. <laughs> I know this is totally <laughs> irrational, but I, it's just, it doesn't come up because uh-huh. it's not something that we all share or I can't, you know, if I, for some of those who, women who are um, more accomplished artists, um, you know, they've been taught that having kids is a huge detriment to your career mm-hmm. and they don't have to worry about that in this, in this setting. So it was right. like the authenticity, the authenticity and the just being real and connecting was powerful. And then just the new relationships that, that are yeah. just ones that are just stronger now that you've met them in person, yes. I'm sure as well. Yeah, they are like, like Nancy, mm-hmm. who we Nancy. interviewed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She and I didn't even talk at the retreat. Oh, Maybe wow. We said a couple words to each other. Uh-huh. But I valued so much her, um, her life and like the, you know, her values and I've felt like so connected to her since then. So that's just one example of sort of the, the, um, the domino effects <laughs> that are happening from, that one weekend together yeah that's so great um in terms of uh just other life questions just do you have a certain best piece of advice that you've ever received from someone it can be art related or or otherwise you know I don't think I I can come up with any (laughs) advice um yeah because like I was never really in, you know, I didn't go to art school. I've never had any art mentors. I mean, uh-huh. there are certainly people that I admire, but I've never had a mentor or anybody who's given me encouragement in an advice kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Although I, I kind of see Nancy in that role a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like following her, you know, and seeing what she's doing and, and, um, you know, well, how about advice sometimes. you'd give, give someone else who's maybe starting out in art or just a, any sort of tips, like, you know, just keep working on it every day or is there anything you might yeah. give, you know, in terms of advice you'd give? Yeah, I, I would love to be in that role to give advice to someone else. I don't think I'm especially qualified, but I do feel a conviction about just doing what you love and finding your niche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is cliche, but don't do it just because people love it. <laughs> right. Um, do it because you love it and, and do it like as a, per, as a, as a practice. Um, right. That's something that I've come to embrace that this is something I realize like I need to do this every day. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't, and then I get cranky. Yeah. Uh, it just, and then, and then the more that I do this as a practice, it feels like a legitimate um, way to spend my time. Even if I'm not, working on a commission, I am getting so much from actually just laying that paint or that ink down on the paper and just the expression of whatever I'm feeling onto the, onto the paper just feels like a, a necessary release. Yeah. (laughs) So just do it and look at, look at too much. Like, I don't, you know, when you asked what my, my influences are, I, I really had to reach back and think hard about that because like, I don't, I, I guess I'm, I'm fortunate that I'm not trying to replicate what somebody else is doing, mm-hmm. but I feel like because I'm not trying to do that, it's more joyful and it's more authentic. More freeing probably too. Yeah. Final question. How about a most inspirational place? Yeah. Cinque Terre ranks pretty high because it's just got all okay. those pieces. Yeah. Um, like the, the lapping of water. Oh, any place that has lapping water. And fortunately, I, I live in a place where I can find that pretty easily. We've got the river and the lake. and um, But yeah, I have to go with Cinque Terre again because it's got the lapping water, the mountains, the historic architecture, the cultural life of like cats and boats and people going about their business and ignoring you. Hopefully, so you can just sketch and quiet and yeah well great um well thank you so much for talking to me today kirsten i really enjoyed it and um uh just for people's reference you can go to kirsten's website which is turnthecenturies.squarespace.com or follow her on instagram at turn the centuries as well and on etsy too so um take care and, and thanks again i really appreciate it kirsten thank you so much shannon like i said to be able to talk to someone about art <laughs> is a rare joy in my life so thank you for what you're doing um to interview other artists too and bringing that into my life because of course so many great interviews that you've done so far and i'm glad you're enjoying it enjoy listening great all right well enjoy your afternoon okay take care thank you Please subscribe to the Living Artist Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to review the podcast and share it so that I can get more listeners and establish a larger Living Artist community.